Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 23. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to, vo- to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in the dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your, as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. He will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. You might want to stay and help me. Good. You've already done a great job. Good morning, everybody. Great to see you. Uh, yes, uh, the um, Hunger to Hope is going to be really, in a, last year, 1,700 people showed up. So we have a challenge this year that we're in a smaller facility, which is all that was explained. But um, it's going to be a really great time. And when's the last time you fed 200,000 kids, uh, you know, in a couple hours? So it's really going to be awesome. Uh, let me be amongst the first to wish you a very Merry Christmas. You could say it back great. Excellent. <laughs> I know, you're not in the Christmas mood. I know a bunch of us in this room are upset about the uh, redskin loss on Thursday night. It's got me in a bad way, in a Scrooge spirit since that. I will never trust them again, but let's not talk about that now, okay? All right. Um, if, if, uh, if this is your first time or you're relatively new, we're a church for people who don't go to church. And a lot of people say, well, what in the world is that? I don't have time to explain that now, but... Right over there at Grace in Five, which Grace in Five, it's less than five minutes. Less than five minutes, we will explain what that means. I'd love to meet you uh, right over there for Grace in Five to explain that. Christmas Eve, let me say something real quick about Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve services here at Grace are always a special time. Uh, we have great refreshments and uh, wonderful music, as you've already heard this morning. And uh, we also bring in some extra music that is in the lobby. Uh, and it's about a 45-minute service. Here's the deal this year. Christmas Eve is on a Sunday. It's on a Sunday this year. And here's what that means. We will not have Sunday morning services here. So help me say that with me. No Sunday morning service. Right? I don't want you to show up and think, oh, man, what's going on here? So Sunday evening, Christmas Eve, Sunday, Sunday night here, 4.30 and 6.00. So 4.30 uh, and 6 o'clock right here. We would love to see you. It's always uh, really just a great time. All right, last week we wrapped up the Home for Holidays. Remember what that was about? It's like, you know, it's uh, family. Family can be great and family can be not so great sometimes. You know what I'm saying? It can be, you know, okay. So here's what we thought we would do. I'm sure some of you have some wonderful, wonderful stories that all of us would like to hear about your own Christmas chaos. Okay, so uh, we'd like you to text your Christmas chaos to that number. Could you? So this is one of the times that you can take your phone out. Like nobody will think, what's he doing? Going? Look, is she doing with the email in church or checking out tweets or whatever? Nobody would know the difference right now. They would think you're actually tweeting your Christmas chaos. So please, there will be a prize next week. 
because we will review all the stories in staff meeting this week. We will pick a winner, and there will be a very special prize. We all have chaotic moments. We're going to show a picture. Dan, can you show that picture? Okay. So you, do you see us smiling? <laughs> With that stupid dog, you see us smiling? <laughs> right? Okay. We're smiling on the outside. We're smoldering on the inside. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. It's difficult. And uh, maybe you have a story. I could prime the pump by telling you that, you know, that dog rolled in deer feces. And <laughs> True. True story. True story. Okay. We'd like to hear about your Christmas chaos. So please text us and there'll be a prize uh, next week. Oh, could you let us know online or uh, online or if you're here in Arlington, we would just like, we'd like to know that so we can note it. All right. The Christmas spirit. Today, the title of the message is the spirit of Christmas. All right. Do you have it? Do you have the spirit of Christmas? Do you feel it? Is it, is it in you? right? The Christmas spirit. Are you filled with joy to the world? You know, Christmas is a really, really big deal, everybody. I mean, think about it. Christmas is a very big deal. It's the largest worldwide celebration that we have. That's how big of a deal Christmas is. Billions of people set aside their normal routines to do all kinds of stuff that they wouldn't do any other time of year. They decorate their homes. I spent uh, this past week decorating my home. Actually, it's weird. I was reaching up to put a light up above the door, and I think I've... This is so strange. You get old, weird stuff happens. I pulled my Achilles putting lights up this year. I wasn't running. I wasn't jumping. Like, oh, my gosh, I'm hobbling around putting lights up. It's very frustrating. But people set aside their normal chains to decorate their house or, or drive around and look at other people. Does anybody do that? Anybody drive around and look at people decorate their homes? Yeah, there's some... Even the radio stations will put stuff out about who has... Okay, people send cards. They buy gifts. They go to parties. They go to church. They sing songs. They watch a Christmas movie. The same movie they watched last year and the year before that and the year before that. What's your favorite one? Does anybody like the Red Rider? Christmas Story. Are you the Red Rider? Okay. Elf. Elf. Okay. Elf. How about anybody like A Wonderful Life? Anybody sentimental? Oh, thank you. How about the Griswolds? Anybody like the Griswolds? Did you see that uh, much more lively crowd at 11 o'clock than the uh, 9.30? Uh, anybody? The Peanuts. Charlie Brown Christmas on this. Yeah. Ah, it's, it's great. Okay. Other holidays get a day. Other holidays get a day. Christmas gets an entire month. Think about that. An entire month, right? Long lines. Christmas ta- causes traffic in cities all around the world. Our airports are crowded. Our highways are crowded. Our phone lines are crowded. Our malls are crowded. Why? Because of a baby born in a stable halfway around the world, everybody. Think about this. This is fascinating. A baby born, a baby born to a very poor couple, unmarried couple, poor unmarried couple, and a stable on the other side of the world. And his birth affected your birth. His birth affected your birth. Think about your birthday, right? Me, 1985. Okay? 1,985 years from what? From what? He split time into before Christ and in the year of our Lord. He spit. So our very birthdays are affected by, isn't that fascinating? It's, it's absolutely amazing. For, you know, for the next month, our whole planet, all around the world, right? It's not just North America. It's not just Europe. It's all around the world 
is going to be affected by this birth. Somebody who never traveled beyond the borders of their little country, right? Somebody who never wrote a book, held a political office, commanded an army, or owned a home. Fascinating. How did that happen? How did that happen? I think the spirit of Christmas had something to do with that. I think everything changed when the spirit entered people's lives, and that is what we want to talk about this morning. Does Christmas bring you great joy or great stress? Hmm. Uh, do you find yourself enduring Christmas or enjoying Christmas? All right. Here's my point today. The spirit of Christmas begins with the spirit of Christmas. If you're a person that likes to write things down, there's your one big point. The spirit of Christmas begins with the spirit of Christmas. So Annabelle read for us just a few moments ago. I thought she did a great job. What'd you think? thought she was going to just stay out here. Right? She's, ready to, she's ready to preach, okay? Uh, but she read Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, and again in verse 20. What does it say? That this is right, Christmas, Joseph, Christmas is through the Spirit. And then verse 20, it's from the Spirit. So without the Spirit, there is no Christmas. Without the Spirit, Christmas doesn't take place. The Holy Spirit brought Christ into the world, and the Holy Spirit brings Christ into our hearts. And without the Holy Spirit, we do not have Christmas. We don't have creation either or the Christian life, but that's another sermon for another time. For today, we see clearly we don't have Christmas without the work of the Spirit in our lives. All the lights, all the presents, all the holiday cheer won't make Christmas come true for you or for me. It takes the Spirit. It takes an experience with the Spirit of Christmas to experience the Spirit of Christmas. None of this happens apart from the Spirit. Are you trying? Here's the question. Are you trying to experience Christmas without the Spirit of Christmas? For the next three weeks, we're going to focus on the work of the Holy Spirit in Christmas, the Spirit of Christmas. What God has brought to my attention for the past couple months is how the Spirit was so active. You think about how big of a celebration, how the birth of Christ has changed the world and the work of the Spirit. When the Spirit entered into people's lives, right? When Jesus breathes the Spirit into somebody's life, they're not just doing a new thing anymore. They've become a new person. There's a big difference between doing something new and being somebody new. And that's what we're told the Bible says we become when the Holy Spirit enters into our lives. Now, here's the foundation. There's, there's, there's B and C and D and all the way to Z. Today, we're only going to talk about A. We're only going to talk about the foundation because the foundation is everything. Right? The name of this series is Building a Stable Foundation. When I build a stable foundation, what's the foundation? The foundation is everything. You talk to a builder and they'll tell you, if you don't get the foundation right, forget it. You're sunk. The foundation has to be right. The Bible says we need to keep coming back to the foundation. So we are just going to laser focus on the foundation this morning. Where does all this begin? Where does the Holy Spirit begin to enter into our lives that we result in a new you, not just a new thing? Okay, so we start with A. The A is this, accept the Christmas Savior. I'm going to explain that in a minute. Accept the Christmas Savior. He's a Savior. This is what we sing about. Christ our Savior is born. It's different. Not Christ our moral helper, our moral teacher, our rule giver. None of those things. Christ our Savior has been born, and it's really important that we start with A. When Krista and I get in a disagreement, okay, we get in a disagreement, 
I like to bring up things that happen that are like, it's like B. Because I like to talk about B because B is usually where she makes a mistake. Okay? And she always says the same thing. Start with A, Sly. Start with A. Well, A is really... A is where I started the problem, okay? Which I, I don't like. So, so we're going to start with A here today. And A is where does all this begin? This is the important part. Is there a B, C, and D? Yes. That's not today. That's later. That's another message. Today is all about the foundation because we have to get the foundation right. Where does it begin? Where does the Spirit enter your life? Well, Paul tells us, Bible tells us in a lot of places, let's choose Galatians 3. Here we go. Tell me this one thing. Great. One thing. This is what I like. I like simple. One thing. Tell me this. How did you receive the Spirit? Question mark. How did you do it? How does the Spirit come into your life to create a new you for you to experience all the power and glory of the Christian life and Christmas? How does this happen? How did you receive the Holy Spirit into your life? Did you receive the Spirit by following all the rules listed in here? All right. Did you, did you do, this is what Paul's question is. And then he says, this is unheard of. This is where it gets really weird. He says, no, no. You received the spirit because you heard the good news and you believed it. You began your life in Christ by the spirit. Verse five, does God give you the spirit and work miracles among you because you follow the law? No. He does these things because you heard the good news and you believed it. Notice this. It's good news. That means that salvation, Christ our Savior is born, right? Salvation for us is a past event. It's not something we do in the future. Oh, okay, God, I want you to save me and I'm never, ever going to do X, Y, and Z again. Wrong. That's not salvation. Salvation is a past event. I believe in what you have already done for me. And I accept that you are my Savior and I can't save myself. Matter of fact, that's what I'm trying to do all the time. I'm trying to save myself by my own efforts. It's our own self-centeredness that we try to do that. It is news. It is not advice. It's not advice, instruction. Here's how you live a better life. Here's how you live a more moral life. That's not salvation. Salvation is news, not advice. It's totally unnatural to us utterly unnatural. What I want to talk briefly about us here this morning, if you walk out and you're like, oh, yeah, heard that story a million times, got it, check, done, let's move on, Merry Christmas. If there's not something incredibly unnatural and jarring in this to you, if there's not something mysterious, you know, the Bible says this is a mystery, then it's something that we are missing. We tend, right, when we hear this, when we hear the salvation message, we tend to, most common, immediately think this, oh, yes, more rules, more laws, more things that I do, more commands about how to be saved, right? What's natural in this world is I work, I get paid, right? I'm assuming that's how it works for you. Yes. You work, you get paid, right? I obey, I get saved, I work, I get paid. I obey, I get saved. That's very, very natural to us. It's natural. That's human thinking. Of course it is. It's course it is. And yet the Bible says Jesus Christ has come to do something utterly and entirely different. Does, do, does that grip your soul? Do you like, mm, yes, I see the tremendous difference, right? He is, Jesus has not come as a great moral teacher. I hear people 
say this, you know, all the time. Most common thing that I hear all the time is, you know, um, yes, I like the values that I see in the Bible. There's things that I'm really drawn to. I'm, I'm drawn to the, the moral virtues of the Bible. Uh, I'm not ready to become a Christian right now because I just, I can't do this. I, I can't, I'm not ready, but one day when I feel like I can do a better job at doing this, a better job at doing this, then I'm going to receive Christ as my Savior. I will receive Christ as my Savior when I can do a better job at this. And it's very noble. I mean, it's, uh, that, you can respect that. You should totally respect it's, it, it. I say this in a nice way. It's com- utterly a non, utter, non-biblical. <laughs> like, there's no biblical truth in there whatsoever. Instead, the answer is this. You know, we say to God, I confess. It's not, here's, salvation is not, God, I confess, I'm going to follow this from now on. You know what salvation is? I confess. I have never followed this and I never will. I need you to rescue me. Here's the thing. We're trying to, we're trying to live up to God's standards. But you know what the reality is, everybody? You can't even live up to your own standards. Neither can I. I'm upset with myself all the time. I should have done that. I didn't need God to tell me anything. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm upset with myself. I can't live up to my own standards. What makes me think I can live up to God's standards? Salvation is saying this. I cannot, will not ever do this. I can't. Fi- the Bible was given to us, as, as the Bible says, as a mirror to show us, yes, I am hopeless. I can't do this. It is not, okay, Lord, I'm coming. I'm going to do this. I mean, I've got myself worked up into a lather this time, and I'm going to stick to the word, save my soul. That's the exact, that's self-effort. That's the antithesis of salvation that the Bible presents to us. So this is why Paul says, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we must be careful how we build. Be very, very careful. Be very, very careful. Because what's natural to us is to put it in a paradigm, to put it in a grid that we hear salvation the way we hear everything, right? I work, I get paid, I obey, right? I get saved. I work, I get paid, I obey, I get saved. Jesus Christ is a moral teacher and I need to follow the rules that he has given to me. So he says, be very careful because Christ is the only foundation. What is Christ? Christ, Jesus Christ. He's our Savior. Christ, our Savior, was born. Why is this so incredibly important? Why am I making such a big deal about this? Because that is where the Holy Spirit enters our life. Until we see Jesus Christ as our Savior, the Spirit does not enter into our life. So if we try to do it in any other way than this foundation that's being spoken of here in this text, the Holy Spirit does not enter our lives. I have had so many people, you know, say to me over the years, ah, yes, I started going to church. I was all fired up and excited, and it was great. And then, you know, after a while, it just didn't do it for me anymore. I just, you know, I just kind of, oh, no, it was fun for a while, but not anymore. You know, the vast majority of the Christian community will very honestly say, according to research, more than 50% will say, you know, I'm just kind of spiritually lukewarm. There's a great reason why, everybody. And the reason why is when the Spirit enters our life, we're not just doing a new thing. We've become a new you. Like, a new creation, what the Bible says. There's something new inside of us. We're not trying to do something outside of us. Like God has now entered into us. And God does not, the Spirit does not enter into us unless we understand the Christmas Savior. Not the Christmas moral teacher. Not the Christmas helper. 
the Savior. To wrestle with that is our Savior. What's very natural to us is to try to work things out on our own. And if we can't, we'll break down and get a coach, right? So there's all kinds of coaches. There's career coaches. There's life coaches. There's coaches. If you live in Northern Virginia and you have young kids, you know all about coaches. Because in Northern Virginia, we as parents hire coaches like nobody's business, right? Special coach because we want our kids the best academically, athletically, big time, big time. So we do. So we were very familiar with coaches. So that's the coaching is a concept I can get. I try really hard, and if I can't get there, I get a coach. Now I I play golf very infrequently uh, because it's depressing when I do, but. Uh, <laughs> When I do play about every 18 months, whoever I'm playing with, whatever group I'm playing with, somewhere along the line, the same thing is always said 100% of the time. 100% of the time is always said. The group will look at me and say, John, have you ever thought about getting a lesson? (laughs) Why do you ask that? (laughs) Have you ever ever thought about, you know, getting a coach? So they say that. So, uh, you know, one day I, I, I asked around and I went to a very reputable coach, right? This is a coach, watches you study. Very good, very good coach. Watches, study, videotapes you for a long time, analyzes this. You know what I'm saying? Like a real bona fide, top-notch coach. So I did this. Then we looked at the video and then he turned and he looked at me and he said, okay, um, I want to tell you this. Your swing looks really good. The results are terrible. <laughs> There's something that happens, and um, I got to tell you this: I can't help you. <laughs> he says, "It's going to take a miracle for you." <laughs> I'll see you later. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, oh my gosh! Are you serious? I've gone to a coach. I'm paying this coach money. He's like, "Don't come back. I don't want your money. I can't help you. There's something wrong here that I can't fix." You need a miracle. That's salvation. You don't need a coach. You need God. Okay? Coaches are very natural to us. What's unnatural is God coming down and doing everything for us, right? A coach can fix us with our effort. We need Christmas to be about a savior, not the Christmas helper, not the Christmas coach, not the Christmas moral teacher. The Bible says this is a mystery. Do you know why it says it's a mystery? Because it's so unnatural to us. When I used to, I've been in church my entire life. When I used to think, oh, yeah, I got it. Yeah, I got Christmas. I got Easter. I got salvation. Yeah, I mean, come on. How more basic can you get? Of course I've got it. But the Bible says it's a mystery. When it went from being, oh, yeah, I got it, no problem, easy, easy peasy, to, whoa, this is a deep mystery then the Spirit began to enter into my life, and I began to change. This is completely unnatural. It's radical. If you're hearing me this morning like, yeah, okay, good, got it, I would ask you to think deeper and to pray harder. There's something much more there. If you're listening to me this morning like, whoa, this is completely a paradigm shift. This is, this is flipped upside down. It's the upside down. It's a stranger thing. It's the upside down. For those of you who don't know why other people are smiling, go to them after this is over and say, why, what, what does that mean to you? 
It's a complete reversal of everything. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. Look, this is one of the best ways I can explain it. If you can't swim and you were in a pool in the deep end and you were drowning, what would you need? All right, what would you need? Would you need a great swim coach to come alongside and stand on the edge of the pool and say, swim harder, kick your leg, lay on your back? You know, would you, is that what you need at the moment? No, you are going to die. You are going to drown. That is not what you need. All the instructions in the world won't save you, but that's very natural to us. Yes, I'm jumping in the pool. I can't swim on the deep end. Send me a coach. Send somebody to bark instructions at me, right? It won't work. It won't work. What instead? What do we need? We need a savior. We need a lifeguard. We need a savior who does what? They jump in the pool. They grab you around the neck and they drag you to safety. What is Christmas? Jesus is jumping in this pool, grabbing you and me around the neck. And we say yes or no. We either fight him off or we receive him to be our savior right? And he drags us to safety. It's terrifying. It's extremely humbling. And we end up being incredibly grateful. Think about it. This is what Jesus Christ does. He jumps into the pool with us. When somebody has understood this mystery, when somebody gets the fact that Jesus Christ is the Christmas Savior, not the Christmas Helper, not the great moral teacher, that he rescued us, and you're humbled by that, and you're terrified by that, and you're incredibly thankful for that. When, when somebody like gets that, here's how it radically changed my, my life, and here I've seen how it's radically changed other people's lives. When those type of people share their faith, there's not a shred of moral superiority with them. I talk because of who we are as a church, a church being good at church. I talk to lots of people who've been burned by churches or by other Christians, you know, receive Jesus, you're going to hell if you don't do this now, blah, blah. You, you understand what I'm talking about? There's a condescension, there's a moral superiority, is all that. When somebody understands this mystery that the Bible talks about and that Paul talks about so much, there is not a shred of moral superiority in them. They can't. How could they have it? How, how could you have it if you knew you were drowning and you did nothing to get yourself out of it? How could you ever look at anybody else and say, you know what, you're hopeless. <laughs> you're hopeless. It'll take a miracle, you know, for you to change your life. You could never look at it because it took a miracle for you. It wasn't your effort. You weren't closer to the edge of the pool than somebody else. We were all equally drowning and Jesus Christ equally jumped in the pool, grabbed us around the neck and pulled us out. And until that seeps down into our soul and the Spirit gives us understanding, the Spirit doesn't come in and make us a new you. We're just doing a new thing. Church is just a new thing. But when the Spirit comes in, now that's different. That's a new creation. That's a life like we've never experienced before. And that's probably why Christmas is such a big deal today. Because Jesus Christ breathed the Holy Spirit into his disciples and life was never, ever the same. Um, I want to give two more points about this, and then we'll be done. And we're going to sing a beautiful song, uh, O Holy Night, which we've already sang. I want to give a disclaimer to this first, what I'm about ready to say. Um, I'm very reticent to ever bring up in comparison for any sake whatsoever other great religions of the world because I don't want to be misunderstood. I don't think there's any place for trying to discredit or say, oh, look at us or these other. So that's not the purpose of this. 
The purpose of this is to say at the starting point. So, okay, after you get past the starting point, there are similarities with all the great religions of the world. We talk about prayer and love and forgiveness and on and on and on, okay? Okay, there's, there's some striking similarities and there's some striking dissimilarities. But at starting point A, are we clear? We're only talking about A. We're talking about the foundation right now. We're talking about a radical, radical difference. Every great religion of the world... You are saved by following the teaching of the founder. Moses, you have the law. Moses, you follow the law, right? Muhammad, five pillars. The Buddha, eightfold path, right? This is how salvation happens, and it makes complete sense. I, here's the thing. In Christianity, you are not saved by following the teachings of the founder. You are saved by the founder himself radically different, not even close to being the same. We have to wrestle, wrestle, wrestle with that, that he jumps into the pool. We, and we can't, we're not helping him out. Like I said, we know I'm, I'm kind of close to the edge. I mean, I know other people are way out in the middle, but I'm kind of close to the edge. I mean, he threw me a pole and I grabbed it and I pulled myself over. No, no, no. It's, it's kind of like, you know, if you needed heart surgery... And you went to the surgeon and said, you know, I'm going to do the surgery myself. I just want you to assist me. Right. It just doesn't happen. You know, it's like, okay, this will be fun, right? No, 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 no. You put yourself completely in the hands of the surgeon. You put yourself completely in the hands of the surgeon. And the surgeon fixed the situation. Salvation is you're putting yourself completely in the hands of the master. And trusting that he has done what you and I could never do. When that truth from the scriptures awakens in your mind and in your soul, we are told that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, enters into our lives and we become new creations. Well, I'm going to ask if uh, Michaela and uh, Jane would join me on stage. Uh, we're going to end by singing a very special song. You've already sung it. We're going to sing it again. It's a beautiful song, O Holy Night. It is the night of what? Our dear what? Savior. 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 As we sing this song, here's my request to you. My kids say this to me all the time because we'll be talking about something and I'll say to them, kids, let me tell you how this situation is going to unfold. Right? They're like... Who do you think you are? I mean, what do you think? You're a prophet. You think you're God. You can tell the future. Who do you think you are? And I say to them, look, I don't think I'm God or a prophet. I've just been around. I'm, I've been around since 1985. <laughs> All right. I've been around a long time. And here's what experience tells me that there'll be a number of us and we'll walk out today and they're like, yeah, okay, I got it. Yeah, Jesus, Savior. But there's going to be some of us here that the Holy Spirit is in this place and you're going to say, oh my gosh, this is radically different. I get it now. He's jumped in the pool with me. And it's going to shake you to the core of your being. And I want to ask you as we sing this song, 
about falling on our knees before the Savior, would you consider in this moment allowing him to grab you around the neck, to receive that from him, for him to come into your heart? Confess, confess, I'll never, I'll never. Would you come into my life and save my soul and breathe your precious spirit into my very being and make me a new creation in you? I don't want to do a new thing anymore. I want to be a new person from the inside out. As we sing, would you consider praying that to the Lord? Well, uh, God's love for us uh, is immense, and I think it's palpable in this place, in this moment. Uh, it's the night of our dear Savior's birth, is what we have just sung. And um, He's saving us because He loves us. There's nothing we've ever done nothing will ever do that will diminish his love for you or for me one ounce as we end in prayer I want to invite you as I pray would you consider confessing your hopelessness and then inviting him to be your savior because he will fill you with more hope than you could ever imagine not externally but internally because his spirit will enter into your life And for those of us who are just still thinking and processing, I encourage you, think deeply. Think deeply. This is radically different and incredibly unnatural, which is why the Bible calls it a mystery. And ask as you're thinking deeply about this, that the Spirit of God, which is called our guide, our counselor, would help you understand the depth of what it means to call Christ our Christmas Savior. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, all over this room, uh, God, your love is being felt in a powerful way. And Lord, for the first time, there's a number of us here that it's dawned on us. This is different. This is not following rules or command. This is about unconditional love and you, Jesus, diving into the pool to rescue us to save our souls. And for the first time, this has burst in the minds of some people here in this moment. And Lord, that change is so radical when your spirit pours into our life when we confess you as our Savior. So Lord, for those right now who are confessing you as their Savior, Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place and in our hearts to not just do a new thing, but to create new use, new creations in Jesus Christ. Thank you for your immense love that is so unconditional. Thank you for the demonstration of your love that has changed this world. Help and bless each one of us to experience the spirit of Christmas like never before. In Christ's holy name, amen.